This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Good to see all of you here. Hope you had a happy new year. It's here whether you like it or not. Woo. Thank you. All right. As your guest, we welcome you here. If you need a Bible, why don't you raise your hand? Our ushers would gladly, gladly get the Word of God in your hand. Again, I believe this. You get in the Word and God will get into you. So again, that should be one of your uh, New Year's resolutions. I'm going to get in the Word of God more than I ever have. Once you get your Bible, go with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Now, we start a New Year's here and Many times we do have New Year's resolutions, but I, I just want to highlight some things. I, I don't know about you. I don't want to just go through the motions of being a Christian. I just don't want to be average. I don't want to be lukewarm. I don't want another year to go by and think, man, what, what did I do any different for the kingdom of God than I did the previous year? And so I'm challenging you a little bit right here. And again, we're starting a church-wide fast. There's info on that. But I, I encourage you that as you fast, fast and pray and seek God to, to go deeper. Draw, draw you closer than you've ever been before. All right, as you're turning to Hebrews 6, in um, Psalms 34, verse 8, the psalmist wrote, he said, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. One of the Hebrew definitions for the word see is to thirst. Oh, taste and thirst that the Lord is good. So let me ask you something around. What, what do you hunger and thirst for? What do you crave for? And I, I think about this in these terms right here with our, our natural physical body that when we hunger for something, we're usually pretty precise with what we eat. You know, someone may say, well, do you want a salad? And you say, no. How about some soup? No. How about some spaghetti? No. How about some pizza? Yeah, yeah. That's what I want. That's exactly what I want. And then when we go to some place to order some type of beverage, you don't walk up to the counter and, and say to the person working on, or waiting on you, when they say, what do you want? You look at them and say, ah, whatever you want to bring me, I'll be okay with it. No, we're very specific. I mean, we're even specific with the water we order. I want lemon. I want lime. I don't want any ice. It's coffee. Do you like coffee black? Do you like it with cream? Do you like it with sugar? No, I want a caramel macchiato. And so we get very, very specific. What would happen if we become very specific with the things of God? Where we draw in and say, man, Father God, this is the areas of my life. And so we start out here this morning with this thought in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, the, the elementary principles, the basic message of Christ. And so, you know, he's, he's not knocking salvation, but he's saying there's more to salvation. I, I want you to grow. Think in this terms here that when you have a baby that's born, that's a great day. But that's just the starting point for that child. They got a whole life to live in front of them. So this is to a degree what he's telling us as, as born-again Christians. Salvation's the beginning point, but that's not the end. He goes on to say, let us go to perfection or to maturity. In other words, grow up. We're just going through the motions. 
Not laying again the foundation of repentance from, from dead works, useless deeds of religion, and a faith toward God. Of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and the eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. Now, I want to highlight something with that verse or that statement of verse three. This cannot be done apart from dependence on the help of God. And I, I got to have God's help. I got to have God's grace. I got to have God's mercy. And so part of the day is I believe God wants us to have everything that he has for us, okay? Everything. Now, I'm going to highlight something that he said in verse two. He said, the doctrine of baptisms. The word doctrine means the instruction, the information, or the teaching of baptisms, plural. There are more than one baptisms. And so he wants us to grow in, in these areas. And every baptism that we experience as human beings is important and significant. But he doesn't want us, he doesn't want us to skip this one or act like that one's not important. So turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 8. And so where we're going this morning is we're going to look at some biblical uh, definitions and scriptures on the areas of baptism. And I'm just going to tell you the three main ones that you're going to see highlighted through this entire morning is the baptism of repentance or salvation, the baptism in water, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, don't slam on the brakes just because I said Holy Spirit, okay? Oh, no, he's going holy crazy on us. No, we need to be taught, okay? We need to be taught about the Holy Spirit. Man, I'm just going to tell you right now, we're so ignorant as the body of Christ pertaining to the Holy Spirit. When you take, a, when you take the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the least taught about or even mentioned of any of them. Why? Because I believe sometimes he's gotten a bad rap for what people do. The Holy Spirit's not crazy. People are crazy. Thank you. Acts 8, verse 4. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Now, it's talking about the disciples, and they're going everywhere. And, and look what it says, the very first thing they're doing. They're preaching the word. That shows us immediately that God puts high, high preference on the word of God. So I challenge you, don't compromise the word of God or don't dilute the word of God. Verse 5. Then Philip, who was a non-apostle, went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to him. He preached Jesus to him. Now, if you've ever studied the Samaritans, the Samaritans were a, a mixed breed. They were half Jew, half Gentile. And so usually the, the, uh, the Jews wouldn't go around them. But this man named Philip went to him and he preached the word, but he also said he preached Jesus to him. He preached salvation to him. Verse 6. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip. They heeded the word of God. They accepted the word of God. Now, I'm going to highlight this just, just here for a minute as we keep going on in the scriptures. Pay close attention what happens when a group of believers heed the word of God. Watch this. And hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. 
For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. What an expectation. You know what this is? This is Mark 16, 20. That God desires to confirm his word with signs following. So why doesn't that happen? Well, I can tell you right now, God's not the problem. We become the problem. Where we don't heed the word of God. We don't welcome the word of God. We don't say, Father God, as we fast and pray to start 2020, we're going to fast and pray that you confirm your word with signs following. And I don't know about you, I, I, I love the thought of people being healed and miracles, people being set free. Man, have you ever been in bondage to anything to get set free? It's incredible. I've been in bondage, guys. I've been bondage to alcohol. I've been set free from it. It's incredible. So I believe God still does those things. And look at the last point that's made in verse 8. And there was great joy in that city. I bet so. People get born again, people getting healed, miracles. They're bringing in family members who are full of the devil and they leave free. So let's just substitute here. Instead of Samaritan or Samaria, whoo, there was great joy in Lubbock, Texas. But it happens, yeah, I clap to the Lord on that. I challenge, man, it happens when we get a hold of the word of God and we pray and we expect it. Verse nine. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery, witchcraft, or magic in the city. And he astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God, and they heeded him. Now, I want to highlight right there. You're going to heed something in life. You're going to heed the things of God, or you're going to heed the things of the devil. And they heeded him. Because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. He preached Jesus, the baptism of repentance. And then he gets some water baptized. So immediately right here, you see in the city of Samaria, uh, Samaria two incredible baptisms, New Testament baptisms. Verse 13, then Simon, Simon the sorcerer, this guy who was do, doing witchcraft for a long period of time, himself also believed, meaning he got born again, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, verse 15, who when they had come down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now, wait a minute. I was taught that when you got born again, that's all the Holy Spirit you'd ever need. Then why did these guys go down and preach and saying you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Because I believe they knew that we all need a helper. And we all need power. And the Lord Jesus commanded in, in Acts 1-4, he said, I command you, don't depart until you receive power. You'll be endued with power from on high. The Holy Spirit. See, it's a great thing to have salvation. 
But I got to have something within me called the Holy Spirit to help me to walk out salvation. And if you think you're going to do it on your, your own, you're going to be nicknamed Humpty Dumpty because you're going to have a terrible fall. Okay, Humpty? Now, don't get mad. I didn't speak specifically to you, all right? Verse 16. For as yet, he had fallen upon none of them. Who? The Holy Spirit. Keep reading. For he had yet fallen on none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So he's telling them there's more. There's more. There's another baptism. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. They took hold of the Holy Spirit. How? When they laid hands on them. Now, if we went back to Hebrews 6, verse 2, he said, the doctrine of laying on of hands. That's biblical. Now, one of the ways we, or reasons we lay hands on people is for them to be received or to, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I look at all this that took place in Samaria. They needed to hear the word of God. They needed to repent and get born again. They needed to be bought or baptized. And they needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It was all vital. So what's changed? Nothing. None of it. Go back to your right just a little bit to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. Now again, this entire morning, you're going to see these baptized come into play. And I believe the Holy Spirit will begin to work within every one of us. As you're turning to Acts 19, um, John 16, the Lord Jesus said this, that the Holy Spirit was to convict the world of sin. That was one of the jobs of the, to convict. A better word for convict is the word convince. To convince me I, I'm in sin. To convince me I need a savior. And so right there where some of you are at today, there may be a convicting. Understand, that's not me. I'm not that talented. That is the job of the Holy Spirit. He said he would convict of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. So the Holy Spirit begins to move in our hearts. And this is what people experience or sense at times. Acts 19, verse 1. And it happened when Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. Now, the, the first one was in Samaria. Now we're in Corinth or this upper region here. Most believe this is modern-day Turkey. And it said he found some disciples, 12 of them. Now, to be entitled a disciple that tells us these guys were born again, okay? Verse two. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Question mark. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you got born again? Now, why would he ask that if that's the, all the Holy Spirit would ever need when I get born again? Now, this is interesting here, what the apostle Paul says. And I highlight this. This is the man who wrote the majority of the New Testament. And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? 
So don't you think this man named Paul who wrote the majority of the New Testament, don't you think he had some pretty good knowledge and some pretty good biblical insight and some pretty good uh, biblical doctrine and theology when it comes to this? I believe so. So again, the question is, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? The end of verse 2. So they said to him, we've not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And so pertaining to the Holy Spirit, they were defective. How many have ever been defective pertaining to the Holy Spirit? I have. You can raise your hand, it's okay. And oftentimes what I find out is what we don't understand we're against. So many times the Holy Spirit has got a bad rap because of bad teaching. How many have ever heard this? Man, the, 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 the things of the Holy Spirit, they're of the devil. I, I would hear that. Now, my experience of the Holy Spirit, I've, I've never had anything but wonderful things with the Holy Spirit. I wouldn't make it without the Holy Spirit. Besides, and these are the three orders of the greatness in my life. I got born again, I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and I married Shelly. Those three right there. I'm telling you right now, without the Holy Spirit, I'm not going to make it. You're not going to make it like God desires us to. And so he said, what Holy Spirit? We, we've never heard of the Holy Spirit. Verse 3. And Paul said to them, these disciples, into them, what were you baptized? Question mark. So they said to him in John's baptism. So what's John's baptism? We'll keep reading and he's going to tell us. Verse 4. Then Paul said, John, John indeed baptized you with a baptism of repentance. So there is a baptism of repentance. Remember John the Baptist said, you are to publicly confess your sin and ask Jesus to come into your heart and be Lord. I don't know if you ever realized that was a baptism, but it is the baptism of repentance. Is the baptism of repentance significant? Incredibly. Why? The only way I can be forgiven is to ask God to forgive me. Woohoo! Thank God God still forgives us. So he says the baptism of repentance. Saying to people that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. So he's saying you got born again. Verse 5. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is the only time in the New Testament that I find they were water baptized again. Do you realize this is what just took place? I've highlighted that, and the reason I want to highlight that is because in my own life, I got water baptized at a young age. How many got water baptized at a really young age? Most of us in here. When I got water baptized at a young age, I really didn't understand what was going on. So why'd you do it? Because my parents wanted me to. So what happened later on in my life when I began to get knowledge on the significance of water baptism, what is the significance of water baptized? When we go down under the water, it's like that old man's dying. And when you come up, you come up alive and resurrected. That's what that symbolizes. And so I said, man, I, I want to be water baptized again. 
Do you know it was only about three years ago right here on the church lawn? I let Shelly water baptize me. And I wore floaties because I knew she was going to hold me under there a while. She said, I'm going to get him. He's still got some things that he needs to die to. Verse 6. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. When Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. Who's the them? All 12 of them. Every one of them. That's who the 12 is. And something was imparted through the laying down of hands, and that was the Holy Spirit. And then it ends with this and said, they spoke with tongues and prophesied, and I hear some of you pull an emergency brake. Oh my gosh, he's going crazy talking about speaking in other tongues and prophesying. Listen, I'm just gonna tell you right now, come back in the next few weeks, all right? I want you to be New Testament taught on that, all right? Because oftentimes we've been taught, man, those tongues, they're of the devil. Well, let me give you a thought on that. I spent a lot of time growing up in the bars, and never one Friday night did I tell all my buddies, hey, let's go to the bar and, and get drunk and start spraying in other tongues. Let me ask you, did that happen to any of you others who participated in drinking at one time in your life? I never went out on a Friday night and said, hey, we're going we're to get filled with the Holy Spirit and pray in other tongues. We prayed in other tongues, but it was called slurring <laughs> and slobbering. So again, right here, what you begin to see is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is what gets my attention when I read these. The apostle Paul knew the significance of the baptism of repentance. He knew the significance of being water baptized. But he said, listen, I got to get you filled with the Holy Spirit. And so when I look at all this, God will forgive you a sin if you confess. And Jesus will wash you in your blood, but you still got a problem. You know what the problem is? What about tomorrow? What do I mean by that? What about tomorrow? How are you going to walk out that salvation? If you think you're going to do it by all your might, you're not going to make it. But something happens when the Holy Spirit starts coming on the inside of every one of us. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians 10. Now, before I get here, I, I, I'm going to lead you through just a little, little passage here that I believe that will help you in this understanding. Boy, I've got to watch. I about fell in the first service right here. Throughout the, the Old Testament, you'll see Old Testament shadows of New Testament promises or even New Testament uh, baptisms. So let, let me help you a little bit here to understand this because I'm, I'm getting ready to go to 1 Corinthians 10 and you'll see this. We go back into the history and you find out where the Israelites were in bondage or they were slaves to the Egyptians. They begin to cry out, and God sends them a redeemer who would lead them out to the promised land. That redeemer was Moses. So Moses was a type or a shadow of what Jesus is to us. So 
Father God tells Moses, you go to the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and you tell him, let my people go. So through the story, he goes to him, he won't let him go. So one after another, these plagues start coming upon the Egyptians. And they were bad. But after nine of them, he still won't let them go. So the Lord informs this guy named Moses, and he says, the 10th plague is going to be the 10th plague of death. And he's going to come into to, to your city. And everyone is going to die for the judgment except certain ones. Now, this is all Exodus chapter five, uh, 12. Exodus 12 verse 5 says this. You will take a lamb, a male lamb without spot or blemish. That is all pointing toward the Lord Jesus. This is who this is. And he said, then you will take that lamb and you will sacrifice him. Now think about this. If, if we find stuff in the scriptures that we read, the only way that scripture comes alive to me is I heed it, I act on it, I believe it, and I do that. So the Lord told him, you got to get a lamb. But that lamb does them no good unless they step out by faith. The, the Bible is a book of faith. So again, they step out by faith. And then in Exodus 12, verse 13, it says, and you are to take parts of that blood and you are to mark your home with the blood. The doorpost, the lintel, the threshold, you mark it. And when that spirit of death comes and it sees the blood, it'll pass over you. So really what he's saying there, the only thing that matters, you gotta get under the blood. You gotta get under the blood. You got to get on, you got to stay under the blood. Stay under the blood. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Uh, Revelations 12, 11 says the blood will mark you as an overcomer. The blood will wash you. So they act on that. They obey. Then they march out of, of Egypt. They're on their way to the promised land. They look in the rear view mirror of life and the Pharaoh was mad because he let them go and he's after them. Now they got another dilemma. They got across the Red Sea. This is all Exodus 14. So they get to the Red Sea and they're all freaking, what do we do now? And God says to Moses, he said, stretch your hand over the water. Two points off of stretching your hand over the water. Number one, when I begin to see that, something happens when we stretch our hands. That, that act of laying on of hands. That's why oftentimes I'll say when we're praying for people, stretch your hands toward them. Stretch your hands toward them. We're not stretching our hands because we're stretching them because of the name of Jesus. Here's the point in that too. Is when he said, stretch your hand over that water, Moses could have looked up and said, what's up with that, God? Why would I do that? You know why you do that? Because God told you to do that. And when he did it, and the Israelites march right on through it and they get to the other side and they look back and here comes the Pharaoh and horse and the rider thrown into the sea. No more, no more, no more. What was that symbolic of? That was water baptism. That was them going through and coming out. That was them dying and resurrecting. So now we see baptism two. Baptism three is in Exodus 13. When they leave Egypt, Exodus 13, verse 21 and 22. When they leave Egypt, they were led by a cloud and a pillar of fire. And Acts 2, 
And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and cloven tongues and fire. When they were led out of Egypt by the cloud and the pillar of fire, they were led out by the guiding presence of the Holy Spirit. Things are powerful when you look at them. Now, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1. That should help us. Verse 1. Oh, get ready, get ready, Freddie. It's good. Moreover, brethren, fellow believers, I do not want you to be unaware. I don't want you to forget. I don't want you to be ignorant that all our fathers, all of them, everyone, the only way you get in the kingdom of God is to the things of heaven. All our fathers, listen to this, were under the cloud, Exodus 13. All passed through the sea, Exodus 14. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. So right there in verse 2, they were baptized into Moses, the baptism of repentance, the cloud, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and the water, they were all water baptized. So if that was part of the Israelites' exodus out of Egypt, what about our exodus out of the stronghold of the enemy? Verse 3, all ate the same spiritual food. What was the same spiritual food they ate day by day for 40 years? They ate manna six days a week. How does that apply to us? Matthew 4, 4, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Verse 4. And they all drank the spiritual drink, for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Now, let me help you a little bit with that. I'm going to go to John 7, and I'm going to read this. You, you can go there with me, or you can write this down. John 7. Verse 37, now watch, watch what this talks about when they drank the spiritual drink. On that last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood out crying, saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given. So what you begin to see right here they needed to get saved. They needed to get water baptized. They needed to get filled with the Holy Spirit. They needed to stay in the word of God. They needed to continue with him every day of their lives. And I believe this is what he's wanting to say to each one of us. And every one of those is significant. But what happens if, if, if I'm making this big puzzle and I decide to leave this piece out? It never gets completed. So to a degree, when we don't preach on the Holy Spirit... We leave out one of the most significant ingredients for you and me to be successful spiritually. Boy, I'm preaching a lot better than you guys are. Amen. I'm... Go with me to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 16. This is what we'll end with. Ezekiel, where's Ezekiel? Uh, Isaiah, then Jeremiah, Ezekiel. If you've gone to Daniel, you've gone too far. Ezekiel, chapter 16. Oh, man, the goodness of God. The goodness of God. Now, again, guys, I'm, I'm not downplaying salvation. I'm not downplaying water baptism. 
But I, I believe there needs to really be an emphasis on the Holy Spirit right now. I believe with all that with my heart. It's not by might nor by power, but it's by the Holy Spirit. That's Zechariah 4, 6. He prophesied that. Romans 14, 17. It says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy all in the Holy Spirit. Man, I welcome the Holy Spirit. I welcome the Holy Spirit. Keep coming these next few weeks. I'm telling you, we're going to load you up with scripture that I believe will help you. That you'll begin to say, oh my goodness, I need a drink of that water. Ezekiel 16, verse 6. Again, you're going to see a bunch of types and shadows in here. And when I passed by you and I saw you, you were struggling. You were helpless. You were filthy in your own blood. I said to you in your blood, live. Yes, I said to you in your blood, live, 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 live. God wants us to live. He wants us not to just go through life, but he wants us to have life and that more abundantly through Christ Jesus. Live. Verse 7. I made you thrive like a plant in the field, and you grew and you matured. You didn't stay the same. And you became very beautiful. Your breasts were formed, your hair grew, but you were naked and you were bare. The word naked and bare means you were vulnerable, you were fragile, and you were exposed. Verse 8. When I passed by you again and I looked upon you, indeed, your time was the time of love. In other words, you came into a time in your life where you needed to get married. So I spread my wing over you. This is symbolic of marriage. This all goes back to the book of Ruth chapter three. Those are the same words that he said, I spread my wing over you and I covered your nakedness. Yes, I swore an oath to you and I entered into a covenant with you and you became mine, says the Lord God. So here's what that verse there goes to. In Ephesians chapter five, when we get, when we get born again, it's like a marriage covenant. The Bible is very clear that, that Jesus is the groom and we're the bride. And so he said here, I got married to you. And he said, I made an oath to you. I made some vows to you. And God's not a breaker of vows. And then he goes on and uses the word a covenant. Do you know covenant is one of the strongest words in the whole, the whole entire Old Testament? And he said, then you became mine. You, you got born again. You became uh, the bride made to Christ. Verse 9. Then I washed you in water. Once you got married to me, once you got born again, I washed you in water. Woohoo! Yes, I thoroughly washed off your blood. I knocked all that sin and crud off you, and I anointed you with oil. Oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. So, right here, through the prophet Ezekiel, he said, my desire is I want to marry you. I want to water baptize you. And I want to fill you with the Holy Spirit. 
And when God puts his oil in you, he doesn't put some old cheap, crappy grade in you. He puts this thing called synthetic eternity in you. Woo! And it's that oil. Think about the oil. What does the oil do in your car engine? It lubricates it. It causes it to move slowly. Have you ever seen what happened to an engine in a car that doesn't have oil? I hope you never see that. I never have. I don't want to see that. I know we got mechanics. I'll tell you, it's not good. You're about a quart low. I don't want to be quart low with the Holy Spirit. So what I see here again, these baptisms that you, you see, they, they weave in and out of the scriptures, not only in the New Testament, but they go back to the Old Testament. And I look at men in the Bible and I think, was the power of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit in Moses' life, was that his secret sauce? And we go back to the New Testament to Peter. And we go back to Paul. And we look and we say, these guys, I, I studied their lives before they got filled with the Holy Spirit. And this guy named Peter, he walked with Jesus for three years of his life. And he was still Peter the pathetic you know how I know he was pathetic? You've got to be crazy in your mind to rebuke Jesus. And he said, pretty much told you, Jesus, you need to shut up. You're not dying. You're not going anywhere. But when Jesus left the earth and Peter got filled with the Holy Spirit, he was no longer Peter the pathetic. He was Peter the powerful. Something began to take place in him. I'm going to ask you to stand on your feet here. Woohoo! Goodness of God, huh? Here's what I found out about this, this thing called eternity, the Bible, the Word of God. We can come in here and we can play Christianese. We can say the right words. But what's the condition of my heart today? What's the condition of your heart? God always looks for, for people that say, Lord, I'm, I'm ready to come all in. I want to be all in. I'm going to date my life again here a little bit. I shared this in the first service, but I mean, Shelly got married years ago. All we had was a little bitty black and white TV. And it had three channels. That's it. Three channels. And the only way we could pick up those three channels were these things called rabbit ears. For you young ones, those are antennas. I'm going to ask you right now, put your rabbit ears, put your, put your antennas up toward God. And all I'm doing is hearing is saying, Father God, we, we welcome you to speak to us. We, we welcome that we get on your frequency today. And I just want you to close your eyes right there where you're at. And you may ask, Father God, you may ask the Holy Spirit to speak to me. 
heart right now. Just gonna ask you to be just just still and quiet right there and do that. Just with a small voice to the Lord. Say, Lord, I want to hear you. I, I want to hear your voice. I want to I want to hear you moving in me today. and begin to fill in some blanks here. If you're here today and you need to receive Jesus, the baptism of repentance. We'll applaud you if you get out of your seat and walk on down here. We're going to applaud you, okay? We're going to hoot and holler. We're going to shout. If that's you, come on down here today. Say, I, I need Jesus in my heart today. say this dear heavenly father we come to you today as your creation father God we're polluted with the things of this world father we ask you right now forgive us of our sin we ask you to cleanse us wash us scrub us Lord Jesus I thank you for your blood I ask you now Jesus to come into my heart my life according to, to Romans 10 9 and 10 was just what you just prayed man God God gets rid of our sin I, I think we, we need to do a better job getting rid of if God will forgive us we need to forgive ourselves that's not just for these that's for many of us in here some of you been been trapped because you 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 just won't forgive yourself I've been a sorry this, a sorry... Not in God's eyes. He forgave you, okay? Woo, the blood speaks. The blood speaks. I'm marked by the blood. Now, I can't water baptize you today. We will in the next couple of months if you desire to do that. But I believe God still baptized people in the Holy Spirit when they ask. He said there in the book of Luke eleven thirteen. he said... If any of you have kids and they ask you for something, you'll give it to them. If they ask for a, a, an egg, you don't give them a stone or a rock. 
And he said, how much more your heavenly father is to those who ask him for the Holy Spirit. What I'm going to do is I'm going to welcome people. They're getting ready to sing. I'm going to welcome you to come down here. If you just want more God, more Jesus, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe this is big. I believe God's wanting to stir us up on the inside to say, be people of faith. Trust my word. Look to it. So they're going to sing, and I'm going to welcome you down here. And then if we need to lay hands on people to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we'll do that. Go ahead, guys. Let's sing. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.